listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Well, that's not the way you wanted to see the Sixers come out and try and extend not only their winning streak overall to eight, but their dominance over the Hornets. Charlotte snaps its 16-game losing streak to Philly. 109-98 win against the Sixers. Uh, Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, we always appreciate a five-star review. And check us out at libertyballers.com. One of the people behind some of the magic you see at our website. Feels like I haven't talked to you, Mr. Jackson, Frank Jackson. How have you been the last couple of weeks? I, I We were doing this on a weekly basis before, and then you just seemed like you just didn't want to talk to me anymore. I, I ignored <laughs> all my text messages, and, and but here we are again today, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it's been what I think. I think the last time we talked was after they beat the Celtics when Embiid had 35 or whatever in that, that game on the road. So a couple of weeks, but glad to be back. And uh, obviously for Sixers fans, unfortunately, it comes, uh, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the bad luck charm. Maybe I shouldn't do these uh these post-game pods, you know, they, they win all those games and I didn't do any of them. And then <laughs> you, you talk yesterday, I'll do it. I'll do it today. And they, they come out flat and, um, you know, kind of well, get their, their, their butts handed to them against a pretty solid Hornets team. Well, I think it's, it's, it's indicative of, of what we've seen from the Sixers, you know, throughout the season is, is when they're good, they're, they're, they're really good. And they, I mean, don't get me wrong. They've had a, they've had a cream puff schedule, I think over the last couple of weeks, but you know, we mentioned this before on the podcast network that, Hopefully they can get on a run. We saw them do that, get a little bit of separation from, from the play-in uh, positioning and, and and kind of pad their record. But again, this was a game that, that was really, really, really weird to watch. Like you're, you're looking back at this. And as I mentioned, uh, the Hornets hadn't beaten the Sixers since November of, of 2016. So we're going on more than five years of that. Rich Paul was sitting courtside at this game. We're going to jump into some of the Ben Simmons talk from Woj. Uh, good to see Tyrese Maxey back after missing four. And the first quarter, everything looked like it was going really well. The Sixers were red hot to to start from deep going six and nine in the first quarter. Of course, Gordon Hayward looked like he was back in his heyday again. He was, he was awesome uh, going six or six for the Hornets, but Sixers led 35, 34 going into quarter two. And then the Hornets kind of took over and, and never really, you know, had the Sixers come back within seven points after that, uh, especially in the, like in the third quarter, the Sixers got it down to seven at one point, couldn't get it closer than that the rest of the way, but sloppy at both ends of the floor. They couldn't shoot in the second quarter. They couldn't, defend in the second quarter what do you think went wrong if you look back at at, at that second you know minutes 13 to, to 24 of the game when you look at that what do you think went wrong for the Sixers at that point yeah I mean I think you know it was that was largely the bench minutes and um you know Tyrese Max had a great end of that first quarter but he struggled the rest of the way um you know with just kind of balancing decision making getting the rim versus you know making the pass to a shooter there um, you know, I thought that that was kind of an issue as well. Um, you know, I think Drummond's been playing pretty well as of late, but this was, you know, I would say it was a maybe a slightly negative game. I don't think it was terrible, but um, definitely not a great game from him. And so, uh, and then in general, just like they they couldn't they couldn't stop the Hornets' transition offense. Um, you know, that team plays at one of the fastest paces in the league. Uh, a lot of different guys can create off the dribble. Obviously, tonight it was you know it was largely Miles Bridges and. Uh, and Gordon Hayward, I think Gordon Hayward had 31 on 16, 30 points on 16 shots was nine of nine in the first half, uh, Tara zero 22. And a lot of that was off the dribble with, you know, just, they only took six threes. Usually it's the guy that's getting up eight, nine, 10 threes. Um, but he was able to kind of find his way into that mid range game, get some floaters off, find some space there. Um, just feel like a, a lack of attention to detail with the off ball movement. And then in general, I just think the, the, the lack of wing depth, especially with, you know, Matisse Seibel having a slower game and then Danny Green going out with another unfortunate injury. Um, this team doesn't really have, you know, much size in the wing and that, that, that makes it tough against a team like the Hornets who, you know, have 
three guys on the wing and you know, wing size players and you know, Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, and Melo Ball, great. And then Terry Rozier as well. So um, just a lot of factors at play, but um, just inability to kind of contain all those different guys who can beat you for the Hornets was really what stood out to me. And other other than three point shooting, the Sixers uh, beaten in every statistical category in this one. The Hornets shot better overall from the field, although as I mentioned, they were terrible from beyond the arc shooting below thirty percent. But uh, better free throw percentage, more rebounds, more assists, less turnovers, more fast break points, more points in the paint. I, I mean, everything that the Hornets really controlled this game uh, from that second quarter on. Actually, got it up to twenty early in the third quarter. Saw Joel Embiid kind of help the team go on a twelve-two run, and then uh, they got another three to cut it down to seventy-two sixty-five. As I mentioned, that that was the closest the Sixers would get the rest of the way. But looking at the at the big picture stuff from this game. And again, you know, the Sixers after winning in seven in a row, yeah, they didn't beat a ton of good teams, not an encouraging uh, performance by any means. And, and not one that you're just going to give them kind of a complete pass for, but looking at the big picture is- issues, Jackson, and, and you tweeted about this as well with Tobias Harris. And I talked about him a little bit on the, on the podcast, you know, when you're making the money that he is and not being consistent with your performances, six of 14 in this one had some brutal turnovers, bad decision-making, when you're looking at him specifically, he is what he is at this point. Like, I don't think he's going to morph into this, you know, wow, you know, Tobias Harris has turned into a 25-point-a-game player. Like, I think just beyond that in terms of his development, where he's at in his career, you know, going on 30 years old. But is there anything you think Doc can be doing or the team can be doing to put him in a position where he's going to be more of an impact player? Or are we just having to accept the fact that this is what Tobias Harris is at this point? Uh, yeah, I would say... Uh, a couple of things he he did actually snap his his lack of twenty point games and back games last week. Okay, I missed that. Okay, yeah. Magic and Spurs. I, I only know it because I wrote about it. One of my I, I I had that exact same stat up. He scored twenty against the Magic and the Spurs, and I I was like, I don't think he's done that recently. I looked it up, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, obviously there are certain parts that are entirely within Tobias's control, right? Like the decision making, how he reads the floor the inability to kind of make contested threes or quick trigger threes. Um, but it also is worth noting that he's, he's dealing with tendonitis in his right shoulder. He's had a hip injury. He's had a knee injury. He's dealt with a COVID and a non COVID illness. So that's not to defend all of his play. People who read my work and, you know, follow me on Twitter know I'm very you know critical of his game, but there are parts that I think are, you know, contributing to him not being the player he was last year in the regular season. But, um, you know, similar to that, like, I think there's two things. One, like, he should just sit for a bit. Like he just give him some time off, like get right. Um, I know he wants to play. It's it's his decision, but I think he's moving slower defensively. He's, he's just not like, he's not a guy who makes a bunch of like quick, you know, where he's quick attacking off the catch, but he looks a little slower even when he does it inside the attack inside. Uh, and the truth of the matter is like the Sixers haven't really missed Tobias this year. Um, and so if you can find a way to give him some rest, heal up and then come back and be closer to the player was last year, that would help. And then also at the same time, like, I just think he needs a, a simpler role offensively. Like, I think it makes more sense to continue to run, you know, higher frequency of things through Seth, uh, Joel and, and, uh, and Tyrese. I bet you mean you're, you're already using Joel about as much as you can offensively. So I get not overextending him there, but there's too many times where Maxi's stuck in the corner of the dunker spot and things like that. And he got a little more reps today than maybe we're, we're used to at times in the starting five for him. But um, I think, you know, it, it would benefit him to maybe, you know, get some rest and try and heal up. And then also when, when, if he doesn't like use him as a guy who doesn't really have 
the freedom to attack and create off the dribble as much as he does because those aren't really plays and possessions that are fruitful for the Sixers. Um, I get the hesitation because he's a guy who was very good last year, but he's not the same player he was last year. And I also get the hesitation to do that because he's a guy, as you mentioned, making a lot of money. The Sixers expect him to be a very good player. And that's not his fault. Like you get that money presented to you, you're going to take obviously, but I think you need to simplify his role and you need to make clear that like, he's not a guy we want to see, you know, attack off the dribble and take four dribbles and then turn around and shoot that little, that little hook or that fade away. Um, so I don't know. It's not really a great answer. And I, you know, want to be as understanding as possible because I know Tobias is dealing with, you know, a bunch of injuries and whatnot, but I think, and I know that like doc has talked about making quick decisions for him and you can't, you can only do so much as a coaching staff, but it does feel like he is probably too prominent of role, a role, even though obviously the emphasis is to have him make quick, heady decisions as a scorer. What did you think about the recent reports and, and especially coming out on Tuesday that uh, Rich, or pardon me, not uh, Rich Paul, but Daryl Morey uh, looking at trying to offload Tobias as well and any any potential Ben Simmons deal, not not to say that that's going to happen or, you know, the Sixers are going to be able to find a trade partner, but do you think that's the right move at this point, just given what, what Tobias takes up in terms of salary cap, he's making more than just under $36 million this season uh, over 37 and a half next season. And then the final year, which is 2023, 24, he's just over 39 mil. So if you're looking at him like that, like, is, is, do you agree with Daryl Morey? If the reports are true that they're looking to, to get rid of him, we heard Mark Spears, uh, Brian Windhorst, both of ESPN say that the Sixers are trying to offload mm-hmm. Tobias for whatever they can to, to try and get a little bit of flexibility, especially in the financial department. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. It, you know that report was was kind of funny. I think it was that like they're looking to maybe offload Tobias and a Ben deal. And I think Kyle Kuzma had a tweet that was like, "How are you going to get rid of eighty million dollars?" Or but, you know, I don't know if it's quite. I think they make closer to seventy million this year. But uh, it, it, the sentiment was you know remained intact. I thought it's just tough, right? Like the one thing if Ben was a guy who wasn't playing and it just like didn't make sense, and they're trying to you know figure out a way to trade him and. Uh, Tobias, but Ben and Tobias, I think are the two highest paid players on the Sixers this year, if I recall. I don't know if Joel's extension has kicked in yet, but, um, you know, they're at least second and third. So uh, I get it. Like, you know, Tobias is a guy who doesn't take a bunch of threes. He doesn't get the free throw line. He doesn't get to the rim a ton. He's not a high level passer. He's not some incredible defender. Like Daryl Morey is a guy who values quick decision makers and guys who take shots from, you know, areas on the floor that he, he, and, you know, the analytics community has deemed the most efficient from three, you know, from the foul line at the rim. He doesn't do those things. So, um, like, you know, I think if Daryl was the guy in charge when Tobias was a free agent, I don't think he would have, you know, be, he would be a sixer still. Um, I have to say that Daryl's in everything correct. Obviously, you can, there's some faults with him, but um, just doesn't isn't a guy that I think Daryl would build a team around. And so I totally get why he's trying to find a suitor for him. And then obviously combined with his play this year and the way he doesn't really fit well with Joel, who's played an MVP level, you know, into, you know for most of the season. Um, I totally get it. But I think it's tough because I don't know. You know, I don't know what you're going to get back. You know, the, the the guys that maybe you compare it to would be the Russell Westbrooks and the John Walls, but those are the those guys are really being traded for each other. And then, you know, Daryl made the Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook trade, and that didn't age very well for for him and the Rockets. And obviously, Chris Paul has has overcome the 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 perception that he is a a player who's you know not deserving of a max contract at that at that stage. So, um, hope that all makes sense. But it's a very difficult situation for the Sixers and Tobias himself as well. I know he wants to play better, you know, um, but I don't think there's a quick and easy solution. And as I said, like, it's just tough to find a team that has cap space to take on both that would want Ben and also has, 
you know, an extra 35, 6 million in cap space. And the other issue too, that's up with the bias is that his salary or his contract, excuse me, is ascending. Um, it's about 36 million this year and then goes up to 38, I think 38, five or something like that. And then 41 the last year. So um, sometimes contracts are descending. That makes it easier, more palatable, but almost the opposite with the bias where he's going to make his salary and increase over the next two and a half years. So it adds another layer of challenges to trading him away. Yeah, there, you're, you're right. Uh, Joel's extension hasn't kicked in. So he's at 31 mil. Uh, Tobias and, and Ben Simmons are the highest paid players on on the Sixers, obviously not getting exactly your best bang for your buck uh, from those two. You mentioned Joel Embiid uh, became just a third Sixer now joining Will Chamberlain and, and Allen Iverson to score 30 points in eight straight games, at least um, looking at what he's been able to do. And, and I think this has been a lot of the sentiment, you know, around the Sixers is you got this guy just playing at an at a unreal level. Uh, dominant force uh, again in this one 10 to 17 from the field had 31 points six boards uh sloppy seven turnovers oh can't can't you know give him all the credit for for playing that well when you when you turn the ball over that much but when you're looking at what he's been able to do and this has kind of been the the talk around everything is is this a wasted year if daryl morey doesn't make a move to to at least i mean let's just say it's not even involving ben simmons that he makes some some other moves to get some more, like you mentioned, wing guys or, or perimeter players who are better fits with Embiid and whoever have a different skill set that'll not only enhance what's happening with Joel, but what's happening around the team. And so when you're when you're looking at that, like, do you share that sentiment that, hey, we they need to do something here because otherwise you got this guy playing at this level. It's almost like Jokic. I mean, they're dealing with a ton of injuries in, in Denver, you know, where they're missing key guys, but you're looking at, at Joel. Do you are you looking at that too and saying, hey, like they they should try and at least do something to to bring in a bona fide wing player, maybe not an all star level guy if it's not involving Ben Simmons to try and maximize what Embiid has been able to do this season and at least for the next few seasons uh, coming up in his career. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting because I was talking about this with some some of the people who cover the Sixers in the NBA and going into the year, you know, we were about what four months into the the Ben Simmons situation after the you know the the loss to the Hawks and. And I kind of, I, I maintain the idea that, look, I don't think this team without Ben or even in place of Ben is, you know, or a guy who's maybe a top 50, 60 player is a title contender. So I totally get Daryl wanting to stay put, you know, maybe wait out the, at the time, is the Zach Levine situation, the Bradley Beal, Damian Lillard, obviously the latter two are still, still prescient um, and see if you can get a star level perimeter creator to pair with Joel and really kind of you know, make life easier for him offensively and then really unleash everything you can do defensively, which we see all the time, but um, and so I got that, but now, you know, the Sixers, I know they lost against the Hornets. Um, there are obviously some issues with that. Like, you think you can see, you can see kind of the level of or what the, the impact of not having great passers, some of the issues that doc has as a, as a game planner. Um, but I think it's also like worth noting that it's hard to play. Like the Sixers have been playing pretty good basketball for about three weeks now or two weeks, whenever dating back to the start of the seven game win streak was it's hard. It's hard to play well for eight straight games and, and whatnot. So like I, I, but point being is it's circling back is I feel like the Sixers are better than I thought they would be coming into the year. And I think also the title picture is less, is less clear. You know, the Bucks are dealing with some injuries. The Nets are worse than we thought. Obviously James Harden's not as good either. The Lakers aren't what we thought. Um, I think the Suns and the Warriors are both very good. Same with the Jazz, but they, I don't think they're like undisputedly, like there's not some giant tier on their own where like nobody else can make a run. So like, I think it's worthwhile. Like they're the Sixers are 20, 29 with Joel. Um, I think that's about 57, 58 win pace. Um, and they have some pretty impressive wins. Games over the Warriors, a couple against the Bulls, you know, one over the Nets. 
Like, I think this is a team that's pretty dang good when Joel's playing like this. So it, I think you have to do something to get a high-level starter. And I think you can get a high-level starter. Um, the issue is that it seems like some of the high-level starters aren't great fits. You look at guys like apparently Demonis Sabonis is available, John Collins, Harrison Barnes. All of them play the position of either Tobias Harris or Joel Embiid. So it circles back to if you can find a way to maybe attach a draft pick and a guy like Jaden Springer, you know, to get rid of Tobias and then open up, you know, a better fitting four, um, then sure, then it makes more sense. But that's that's the issue is I haven't seen a lot of high-level guards available. Um, I think a guy like Malcolm Brogdon makes sense, but obviously he is no longer available because he signed a contract extension before the year. Um, but I can't necessarily fault Daryl for not taking that deal when Malcolm Brogdon was available because the landscape looked different, right? We didn't know the Sixers would be this good. We didn't know the title picture wouldn't be as confusing maybe. So at least I didn't know it would be this, that, that way. So um, yeah, again, maybe I'm rambling a little bit. I hope it's all clear for you and the listeners, but um, point being is I think that they definitely shouldn't be at the, the front office should be willing to adapt to changing circumstances. I, I sided with them waiting out a star before the year began, but I think Joel is playing the best basketball of his life and the title picture is or title window is is more open than I anticipated. And you're probably getting the best two years of Joel's career last year and this year, maybe next year as well. But um, he's going to be 28 in a couple of months, 29 in a year. Or so uh, I think you got to maximize it as uh, while you can. Yeah, and I've said this before. Big men don't age terribly well in the NBA. You know, I mean, given his injury history, too, you're looking at the level he's playing at. He's been relatively healthy other than you know, missing some time, obviously, with, with the health and safety protocols, and he's been banged up a little bit. But looking at, at what he's been able to do and what he's able to bring, uh, I'm with you. I think they have to look at at least trying to add a meaningful piece to to strengthen things going into the postseason because I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm looking at Chicago, Brooklyn. They're going to have some ups and downs depending on what happens with Kyrie and, and the vaccination stuff. Uh, Miami, I, I think, will be a tough out. The Bucks obviously, are, are a good team in the East. And then out West, you got Phoenix. Golden State, Utah, Memphis on a 10-game win streak looking really good right now. And then and, and the Mavericks starting to, to get going, although they're getting blown out while we're recording this against the Knicks. Um, wanted to jump into the Ben Simmons stuff. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN uh, released a piece earlier on Wednesday, just kind of giving an update on where things stand. As I mentioned off the top of the podcast, Rich Paul, ballsy move by him, <laughs> sitting courtside at Wells Fargo. Uh, we'll jump into that after a short break. All right, and we're back. As I was mentioning there uh, before we took a pause, uh, Jackson Woj coming out and saying that Rich Paul met with Daryl Morey, Elton Brand. They met in Philly at a restaurant. Uh, nothing really changing. And I'm I'm, I'm quoting what what uh, Woj wrote here. Simmons is no closer to honoring the team's hopes for a return to the court this season. And the Sixers steep asking price has bought Simmons no closer to a potential trade. And that's what Woj said and sources tell ESPN there. Uh, also, an interesting little tidbit I saw. Uh, from that piece as well. It's not very long. You can check it out at ESPN.com. He said some teams have even described the Sixers asking price for a Simmons deal as growing, growing, not declining at this point. Uh, Damian Lillard, some other news came out down the pipeline. He's having abdominal surgery. He's out to six to eight weeks. So looks like he might be off limits. And again, I, I think as things went on over the last couple of months, uh, Lillard, Lillard became more of a pipe dream, uh, looking even further down, down that now, but you're looking at this Simmons situation. What was your reaction when you read this Jackson, that what well, was saying, uh, like, again, we've heard the same thing for the last four months that, <laughs> Oh, there's no, there's no movement. There's no movement, but now we're less than a month away from the trade deadline. How do you sit on this when you read all this stuff? I don't know, like, I don't know. Like, what? like, why is that a story? Like, you know, <laughs> that was my reaction. If there's no movement, then I, I don't, 
like I then I don't care. Like <laughs> I I I I want to hear about the Ben Simmons. I want to hear an update on Ben Simmons deal when team when the Sixers are progressing and talks with a team or multiple teams, however it shakes out. And that's that's not me bashing anyone involved there, whether it's Woj or anyone. But like I just I don't know why it's like okay maybe it's me like being confused with them, but I don't know why it's a story. Like it's like it's it's much ado about it's literally much ado about nothing. Like literally nothing. If so. I don't know. I just, I, I didn't really react to it. I, we, you know, I think we got a post up about it at Liberty Ballers and, you know, people want to read about it. But I, I to me, I was, I just, I, I saw it. I, I clicked on the link and scanned through the two minute article and it went all off my day and went back to work. And, or maybe I was making lunch or eating lunch. I don't recall exactly, but <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really think much about it. More just, it just reminded, like, I hadn't thought about it for honestly the situation for a while. So it was more just like a, like, oh, this is still, this is still a thing. Uh, here, here we are. So, yeah, not 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 really much of a reaction to it. Well, it, it's it's interesting though, and you're, and you're mentioning you were mentioning this before we we took the break there, and we're looking at you know who the Sixers can possibly add as a piece. That, and again, even if they do or don't, you know, trade trade Ben Simmons, but you're looking at this um, from a perspective of what's best for the team. And and you know, uh, and the, another thing that that Woj wrote here is that Simmons, you know, reiter or Rich Paul reiterated that Simmons' mental health hurdles continue to preclude him from a return to play with the team, but the desire is still there for, for him to be traded out of Philly. Like, do you think this is going to go beyond the trade deadline? Because I, I'm looking at this like, let's just get a deal done. And I, I, I'm actually I praise Dale Morey for having the patience. But looking at this whole thing right now, I don't know how much is going to change in the offseason either. Like, who's going to be available that might not be available right now? And you might have a team get desperate. But again, are you going to get a star level player in in the offseason? And and you mentioned these guys before, Russell Westbrook, John Wall, who seem like the the only two dudes in the league who make the you know right amount of money that they would be able to the trade Simmons for, or you know roughly um, by adding a couple of pieces here and there in terms of making the salaries match up for cap purposes. But like I, I'm looking at this, and I, like I was with you, I was like I, I saw the Woj thing come out like latest, and I'm like, all right, maybe we got some movement. And then I read it, and I'm like, oh man, you know what I mean? Like this is this is the same of what we heard for the last four or five months. But do you think that ultimately a deal will get done before the deadline, or do you think this thing you know spills over into post February 10th, and then you know the Sixers might say, hey, well if you want to try and come back and play, you can. If not, we're gonna drag this thing out until the NBA draft or into the offseason. Yeah, I mean. I, I don't know. I like, because I, I feel like Daryl Morey as GM has always been a, been a guy who operates as though if there's any sort of chance of a team winning title, then you go for it. Um, and I, I don't think this team has some significant chance to win, but I don't think it's like entirely, you know, like entirely implausible the way Joel is playing and the way he's helping other guys, you know, make stuff happen and simplify their games, which is always really important. Like, I don't think it's entirely unreasonable. I think he had the quote, maybe an article about from, from Grantland years ago, like you got to go all in if you have at least a 5% chance. I don't know if they have quite a 5% chance, but I feel like they would if they decided to move Ben for a significant contributor. Um, but it, it, there's been so many little inklings about, you know, Maury still wants Harden and, and whatnot. And I think he still has his eyes on Dame and even Beal to an extent. Um, but I don't think like the Beal thing is weird, right? Because I think he's he has an he's a player option and he's up he's up for a contract extension, so the offseason might not be the time that the deal could really happen. Um, but my my gut tells me that it's going to extend through the the trade line, 
And I, I'm frustrated with that. Like, I just, I, I don't, I just want, I just want new face. Like I want to, I want new faces on the team. I want to cover some guys. I think it's the players that are on the team currently deserve, you know, for their front office to give this team, give them a chance to make a deep run. And if they can, I don't know if it's, you know, like, I, I don't think I'd pick them to be like a top four team in the East right now, but I don't think it's, you know, and again, they're not, they're not in like some other world when it comes to that, that concept. So um, my gut tells me it's going to, Ben Simmons will still be a sixer on February 11th, but um, I don't know exactly because I, I don't know exactly how Daryl views this team. And that's kind of the key, right? You know, like does how good does he think this team can be if they add a, add, a, add one of the guys or two of the guys have been made available and Ben Simmons, you know, trade conversation. I guess the, the hope would be if you're, you're the Sixers or Sixers fan would be that the Wizards start losing a bunch of games over the next month, right? They won three in a row. So it's not, it's not off to a great start, but um, you know, from the Sixers perspective, but that would be the hope, right? As the Wizards enter the enter next month, you know, 24 and 29 and they're struggling and uh and Beal is less happy and they're maybe more willing to shift to a rebuild uh and they would they they prefer you know Ben over over Beal is kind of maybe the main guy on that team but it doesn't feel that that, that is imminent I know they had a I think there was something an altercation between Davis called a Pope Montrose Harrell on Tuesday but um you know, it doesn't, doesn't feel like that's imminent right now. So again, my gut would be that, you know, Ben is still six on February 11th, which is, I think probably just service to Joel and all the other guys on the team that are playing pretty dang, pretty dang good basketball for the most part of the season. Yeah. How do you think they're, they're going to feel about that? You know, when you're looking at the, at the players and, and kind of where they've been and, and how hard they are working. And again, it's been an up and down year for the Sixers in terms of dealing with a lot of the health and safety protocol stuff that we've seen hit them hard, hit a lot of other teams in the NBA too. So not using that as an excuse, but they've dealt with the injury bug. You mentioned Tobias Harris, uh, Danny Green. We saw in this game against Charlotte get a little banged up, but you know, he still came back, but you're looking around at this. Like, do, do they, do you think they would look at this and say, look, man, like we're kind of right there. We're only five games out of the first spot in the Eastern conference behind Chicago, two and a half uh, behind the nets for, for the second seed. Like, let's just try and get a CJ McCollum in, or something and get some future assets that you might be able to use again in the off season. Like, do you think the players are, are frustrated at all with this just from what you're seeing or, or do you think they're like, Hey, it's business as usual. And, and we just kind of go with what, what we got at this point. I, I lean toward the latter just because I, I really have no idea. You know, I've, I've covered some of these guys, you know, in depth last year when we were able to do a lot of stuff over zoom, but you know, I don't have really any sort of, you know, a, I'm not privy to any kind of how they view that sort of thing. I'd imagine there's some, some frustration, maybe both with, you know, with Ben in the front office, I don't, you know, uh, I don't know, like, I don't think necessarily they blame Ben, but I, I would imagine that at least they're, they're frustrated with the situation, I think more than anything, probably. Um, I don't know for sure, but, um, you know, I think probably just business as usual, you can only do so much, right. You put your head down and you, you, you lace up your kicks, you know, four nights a week and you do what you can and um, you keep rolling. And I think for the most part, they've done pretty good too. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people, like I wouldn't have been surprised if the Sixers right now were given all that's happened, you know, as you mentioned, dealing with injuries and health and safety protocols and, and the whole Ben situation, if they were sitting at 20 and 20 or, or 1921, but I think they've done pretty well to handle it. And, um, and so that's, that's where I lean, but I, I really don't know for sure. But I, I, I think any sort of reaction or, or kind of opinion or sentiment would be entirely reasonable on, you know, on this whole season and, and situation. We'll wrap up on this, Jackson, non-Ben Simmons trade stuff, which is, yay, okay, you know what I mean? We don't have to talk about that. But uh, looking at this, like the backcourt in general, obviously Tyrese Maxey's had has has had a very, very good season uh, considering where he's at in his development. Second year, just 21 years old, didn't come in as this, you know, hugely heralded prospect that he's going to come in and, and take over the league. But encouraged by what we've seen, I still think he's he can get up to be an all-star in, you know, three, four years down the line. But 
Um, looking at, you know, even Seth Curry has had a nice season. Um, not again, nobody's gonna mistake him for being a total, you know, game breaker at the NBA level. But if you're looking at potentially trying to add a point guard, uh, do you think that would help like adding a traditional point guard, even if it's a veteran guy, again, not even including Ben in that deal, maybe using some of the other parts that the Sixers have, maybe, you know, getting rid of a future first round pick because you don't want to have Ferk playing 27 minutes a night, you know, too inconsistent. Can it give you one nice game and then six bad ones and then look good again for two of them. Um, but looking at, at what they need uh, going into the second half of the season. Now we're basically at the midway point of the 82 game schedule. Uh, when you look at what they could potentially add, do you think that'll help in, in bringing in a, a traditional point guard and, and maybe just kind of being able to set the table better on offense and also, you know, relieving some of the playmaking responsibilities that are on Tyrese Maxey that who again is not a traditional point guard uh, on Joel Embiid where he's getting the ball in, in not great situations where, yeah, he's very good with it in the high post, but you know, maybe not at the frequency that you want to see him doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, regardless of, position they just need someone who can dribble the ball comfortably against pressure they really don't have anyone maybe Joel and even then there's a time where he kind of works his way into precarious situations we saw that a lot tonight like it wasn't like most of his turnovers were coming on intercepted passes he was just kind of you know making errant passes or dribbling into traffic and they just don't have it I mean Max he's a guy who can struggle with that a little bit Seth Curry is a guy as well Tobias clearly has issues dribbling against ball pressure Matisse you don't want handling Danny Green you don't want handling um like I think honestly outside of Joel George Niang might be their best guy who can kind of keep the dribble alive against, you know, when someone's on his hip or really pressuring him. And that's not ideal because even, even, even George, you know, who's been pretty solid this year, isn't, isn't that's not really what you want. So um, regardless of position, I just, you know, obviously probably not a four because as we mentioned, you know, Tobias is going to continue to play regardless of how much he struggles, just because, you know, he's a guy making a lot of money and there's a lot of politics behind the NBA. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to play, but, um, he's just not going to get usurped by a four. It's just not going to happen unless it's, you know, the one of the 10 best, eight best power forwards in the NBA, uh, who I don't think is coming in six or anytime soon um, for many reasons, largely cap based because those guys make a lot of money. Anyhow, back to the question, just <laughs> someone who plays the one, the two or the three, you can dribble the ball against pressure would help a lot. I think a big issue tonight um, against the, you know, against the Sixers, against the Hornets, 28th ranked offense defense, excuse me. I'm derailing here. I'm, I'm rolling off the tracks. Um, 98 points against that defense against a team that doesn't really have any sort of interior resistance uh, is pretty bad. And I think Joel had a nice game for the most part, despite the turnovers, but I don't think they did well to get him the ball a ton and kind of collapse the defense and make stuff happen for other guys as much. And even, you know, I don't think Joel was as good about getting deep position. I remember, I think it was the first game against the Hornets when they had the, that, that, those two in, in Charlotte a few a few weeks ago, he was great about getting deep position, stealing his man off. And I think Plumlee might've been out it was even it was an even smaller front court, but I didn't think that was the same with Joel. And some of that was he had to be used in different spots. But um, I just think you saw the inability to kind of the inability of premier players for the Sixers to make entry passes and you know handle pressure well because the Hornets pressured the ball a lot and kind of swarmed Joel. And so just someone who can make competent reads and dribble the ball against pressure would really really help this team. You know, the guy can just be anyone who plays the one through the three because. Um, I just think it would help them a lot. And they definitely need help with the three, especially with the fact that Danny Green continues to get injured, unfortunately, and and Matisse, while he's played pretty well aside from Wednesday, uh, you see see games like this too often where you can only play 60 minutes because the defense is good but not great. And the offense really kind of, he really kind of clogs things up because teams don't guard him as much. 
something just came down the pipeline, Jackson, and I just want to wrap up on this. Uh, Tobias Harris, uh, this is quotes that I'm reading from Kyle Newbeck on, on Twitter. Uh, Tobias Harris on the trade rumors in recent days. That's something I'd rather not talk about. It took too much energy out of me yesterday and today. He's also said he's been in the league for a long time, uh, understands the business and speculation. Do you think th this is going to maybe have a negative impact? I, I know he's mentioned that he he's been here enough and we saw him again, not a huge deal, but you know, telling the fans, uh, not to clap and he was getting upset you know a few weeks back with with fans getting on him and the boo birds have been have been on Tobias a lot especially in recent weeks given his struggles uh do you think this thing could play out to be better or worse uh further into the season or uh do you think hey you know what Tobias is right this is just a part of the NBA business and, and he'll be okay in that regard yeah I mean I feel like Tobias is a guy who's you know, unfortunately, he's been traded a lot in his career and you, you never want a guy to get used to that sort of thing. But I feel like if anyone's going to be equipped to just kind of play through it, it's a guy like him who I think has been on, what, five or six teams at this point in his career. Um, and so I think, he, you know, he's a guy that I think has done pretty well to kind of cancel out the noise. I don't feel like he's someone who just you know succumbs to that sort of pressure. Like he's not playing well. I'm not going to you know sugarcoat it, but I don't think it's because of trade rumors. I think it's because he's just not. He just is going through a rough patch and he's dealing with some injuries and all that combined. So I think he'll be fine. I don't really worry about that. I think, you know, it's just about him getting back on track and making those quick decisions. And the, the I think the, the offense itself and the coaching staff could do better to kind of put him in more advantageous positions a little bit. And and I think he could also kind of help himself by, you know, taking the shots that that come to him rather than ones that he, he kind of tends to force because, you know, he's, he's a solid scorer, but he's not, you know, he's not a high, he's not so good of a scorer that like he needs to take all these, these tough shots that he takes on possession. And some of them go in and they look cool and they help, but a lot of them don't go in and that really makes things tough. Well, it's funny. I saw him, the, the two threes that he hit today were just like, he got the ball and right away, no hesitation, you know, pulled the trigger and he hit those two. And then I, you know, I think he missed another one that was a quick, uh, just a quick catch and shoot. But uh, again, the frustration I think is, is boiling up for the players. Like you mentioned, he was given that contract. Not like you're going to say no to it. You know what I mean? Jackson and Vox media came to us and said, we'll give you a million dollars right now. We're going to take it. But uh, regardless of our performance is, is up to up to speed for that money. But uh, I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on. Uh, as I mentioned, and, and we talked about earlier, the Ben Simmons stuff just feels like a bad soap opera, soap opera that's never ending. So uh, hopefully we get some movement on that in the coming weeks. But the Sixers overall still not in a terrible position, not an impressive game at all against the Hornets, but hopefully they can turn things around coming up here. Uh, they got back-to-back -back games this weekend. Jackson, I want to thank you for joining me on this one. I'm sure we'll do this again probably next week at, at some point post-game as well. Yeah, uh, happy to talk, uh, Sixers. And Hopefully the next one is is Ben Simmons free. Hopefully the next time we talk about Ben on a podcast is uh is when he's been traded and then we can we can move past the whole thing. But appreciate you having me on and I'm uh, excited to, to talk again soon. Well, Jackson, we'll make a deal unless they make a trade. Whenever you're on with me, we'll just stick to the <laughs> basketball. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. More than more than more than good with me. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Thirty. Before I wrap things up. Don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And, of course, Jackson, Paul, Hudrick, Steve Lippman, Tom West, uh, Harrison Grimm. we got a ton of talented writers at libertyballers.com. We'll have you covered for all things Sixers as well. 